When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You're listening to Waiting on Reparations, production of iHeartRadio. Check it, yo. Every time I think of Dilla, make me think of my pops. So I'm sitting here with this liquor, take a sip of the scotch. Yeah, it always kind of stings, never ceases or stops. So I'm clutching both of their legacies, don't think I forgot. Now these politicians want to kill your welfare check. The cops come, you get killed on a welfare check kind of tired do i really need some health care yes fucking whack i'm sitting right in hell here stress what's the trend i got my own shit dog i always been a loner dealer sending my condolence with a penless and the donors with a bird and i'm cracking jokes punchlines packing dope i drink jack and coke cussing like a mac and roll even though i'm stoned still controlling the flow best rapper that you know that nobody knows don't play with me i'm unsavory especially when i don't get my reparations for that one slavery Dope. D -d 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 dope, dope, dope. Hey, what's up? What's up? This is Dope Knife. I'm Lingua Franca, and we are waiting on reparations. Hurry <laughs> up! So, how you doing? Get your ass. I'm good. Tired. You know, long commission meeting. Long life. Life is just long. It's never ending. What was the commission meeting about tonight? Oh, you know, just affordable housing stuff. Um, uh, There's something trail. like big that you're working on right now, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, I've been working on the negotiations with these developers to try to get some affordable housing in this gigantic complex that they have proposed for my district. And so trying to use the opportunity as leverage to get stuff for working folks. And it passed. It passed this evening. Oh, shit. So it's going to be 66 apartments for just like working class people at a minimum, potentially 120 if the local government decides to like shell in a little bit, which like, you well, know. I mean, do you think they will? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's, it's pending like uh, community approval. We have these like advisory boards that sign off on use of these special funds. And so I think people will be like, yeah, hell yeah. I mean, 54 more places for like working class people to live. Sure. You know, let's <laughs> do it. So it should be, I mean, like, it's just funny. Cause like working within the system just sucks so bad that like when you, even when you win, it just feels gross. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're, you're also you know, exhausted like, too. I would prefer, I would so much prefer to just like seize all the people as homes and put people in them. Like a, like a dictator, <laughs> you know, and just like, uh, but we gotta just work within the capitalism. So I do what I gotta do. <laughs> but yeah, what you got going on, man? Uh, the nerve wracking process of putting out music independently. So I feel like I'm about to have a panic attack. Yeah. Um. Again, shameless promotion. I'm dropping a new song tomorrow. Because you guys are listening to this on Thursday, right? Yeah, so I'm dropping a new song tomorrow. It's tedious, you know, writing my own press releases and sending out dozens and dozens of emails and shit. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things you got you got to go through. But uh, it's all worth it in the end after you put the music out. I did stumble across this article that I did want to run past you, even though it's not about what we're talking about today. Because today we are talking about legendary hip-hop producer Jay Dilla. Yep, Jay Dilla. It's the 15th anniversary, or it was the 15th anniversary of Donuts on Sunday. Um, and yeah, or, so no, gonna... was it? Yeah, no, I'm confused. Okay. It was a few days ago. A couple days ago, yeah. Everybody, okay. everybody was posting their, their Dilla stuff a few right, days ago. Know, I get confused. I get, I'm confused because... Sunday was the 15th anniversary of Donuts. Sunday was also my mom's birthday. And so I get it mixed up because Dilla's birthday... No, that is correct. Yeah, so my mom and Jay Dilla have the same birthday. Oh, shit. Yeah, they have the same birthday. And they also, you know, suffer from the same chronic illness, lupus. And so, like, you know, this was like... Upon seeing a lot of people's reflections on Jay Dilla this week, I was, was like, kind of touched because... They have you know, similar struggle, similar birthday, exact same birthday. And so I was excited to, to talk about um, him as we both his musical legacy and like some of his struggles. And while for, living. The, for, for the listeners who don't know um, Donuts, when we say that, uh, Donuts is like the seminal last album of uh, Jay Dilla. Yeah. So we're going to be delving into that, some of Jay Dilla's life, some of his music, and also, you know, talking about how his struggles with uh, America's health care system relate to what's going on today, right? Yeah, still are still impacting his family despite, you know, his death 15 years ago. So, But before we get into that, I want to tell you about this article that I just, just read, right? So it's, um, it's about that movie Judas and the Black Messiah. Have you heard of it? Mm-hmm. The one, the the Fred Hampton one. I say Fred. I know. I heard. You know, they stripped Fred Hampton's politics out of the film. That's what I was just about to mention. I wanted to see it though. So I read an article about uh, how No Name uh, didn't want to be on the soundtrack because of that that very issue. I wanted to know what your thoughts were about that. Good for her. That's great. I mean, at the same time, it's sort of like fucked up that folks. Fred Hampton would have definitely hated or on the soundtrack instead. Like it would have been lit if like, you know, 
He's like, all right, you know, like, let's say they brought him back from the dead. They're like, all right, we're going to make a movie about you. He's like, okay. and But but we're not going to put your politics in it. Hmm. But we're going to have, like, a modern-day Black revolutionary, like, communist be on the soundtrack. He might be like, oh, okay. You know, like, kind of down. But instead, it's like, no, we're going to take your politics out of the film, and we're going to have a bunch of, like, Black capitalist neoliberals, like, uh, on the soundtrack like oh I, that's just I, double sword sword, I in mean, the sword in the back i don't know i think it's a bit overblown i mean there's there's nothing that i've seen in any of the previews or any clips or even just like the title of the movie there's nothing i've seen that suggests that this was supposed to be about fred hampton i mean it seems like it's about the informant guy it seems like it's about a whole other dude i mean the, the movie's called judas and the black messiah not the life and philosophy of fred hampton i don't know it seems like he's a character in it but not the main character so i don't know to frame it like they they stripped him of his politics in the movie when that's not even necessarily the point of the movie Although, you know, I haven't seen it, so I got to wait till I see it first. Yeah, well, I don't think that's what it's about. And perhaps we'll talk about it and talk about it's the like, soundtrack like, when it for comes, example, it comes the, out um, like next week or something, right? Do you remember that movie with Brad Pitt, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford? I mean, yeah, vaguely. Yeah, it's like if you went, the, you, you hear the title of the movie, it's got like another dude's name in the title and the movie's about him. So if somebody went and saw it and they were like, man... This is fucked up how this movie wasn't about Jesse James. Like, yo, it's not about Jesse James. I don't know. Like, if this thing is, like, in the film, like, a it looks lot, like, a little it looks lot, like he, then, like, and somehow that doesn't, like, get into at all, like, the shit he was about. It's not unprecedented. There was a uh, movie with Don Cheadle playing Miles Davis that wasn't a biopic at all. It was, like, a private investigator detective thriller with Miles Davis in it. I mean, it all depends on the way the movie's made. If they're trying to make Malcolm X style of movie, but they strip Fred Hampton of all his politics, then yeah, that's fishy. But it seems like they're trying to make deep cover, but set in the backdrop of what Fred Hampton was doing. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I have just so many questions. I guess I got to see the film to find yeah. out. Yeah. yeah, it does look it does look cool though. Like, it does uh, look cool, and, and she, she did give it props on saying that the cinematography is yeah, awesome and the acting is dope. So you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we'll check that out next week. Maybe talk some about it. All right, we're gonna get into this Jay Dilla stuff after the jump. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Sunday marked the 15th anniversary of Jay Dilla's second studio album and inaugural masterpiece, Donuts. It was released on his 32nd birthday, three days before his death, after a years-long struggle with blood disease and lupus. So this week, we're going to look back on the iconic album and its impact on hip-hop culture and discuss Jay Dilla's medical struggles leading up to his premature death and what they tell us about the healthcare system in the United States. That's the thing I mentioned a little bit um... Like at the top, you know, Sunday is also my mom's birthday. She is recovering from having COVID, which was a terrifying ordeal for our family because she also suffers like from lupus, like Jay Dilla did, and complications of lupus from uh, complications of lupus have caused her to have severe lung problems. She's like on a breathing machine most of the time. So we were fucking like, <laughs> we were thought we were all like, oh shit, mama's dead. <laughs> and I mean, she's she's like better, but like it, there remains to be seen. The uh, the long the long lasting impacts of her having had COVID. So we'll see what happens with it. But I'm glad she's doing okay. But the coincidence of their shared birthday and their struggle and what healthcare access means for people like her and you know people in the United States and people within the hip hop culture make this episode a special one for me personally. So I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, um, Jay Dilla's death kind of hits close to home too when he around when he died is around when my father started getting sick. So my dad passed away two years after Dilla did. And um, I just, I have this real vivid memory of um, me and a bunch of my, you know, hip hop rap friends. And we were watching something. It was like a live show. I want to say, I want to say it was like Rock the Bells or something like that, but I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'll, I'll strike that. But we were watching some tape of like a live performance. And uh, Dilla came out at the end. It might have been like Slum Village playing or something like that. But Dilla came out at the end to do like a, you know, surprise verse. The crowd went crazy and everything. And it was around when I first started getting into Dilla. So I didn't even really know what Dilla looked like like that. I just knew him for like, you know, as credits on an on a album liner in the beats. So I saw him and I'm like, oh, it's dope. 
and all of my friends were like shocked because they're like, man, he looks really skinny, you know? And I just, I'll, I'll never forget like how like all shocked they were to see him looking different than they, you know, had seen him before. And then it was like shortly after that, I had went home after not being there for a while when my dad started getting sick. And when I saw my dad again, he was in the same sort of skinny state because he, he was like a really big, you know, big guy. And I saw him and he was, he was small. And, and the, the, just that, that connection of like Jay Dilla passing and how sad that made everybody. And then me discovering his music a bit later and not really getting the chance to really like dig into it while it was happening and the correlation with like my dad when he started getting sick that's just that's just oh it's hard for me to even hear Dilla without thinking about my father instantly so this episode definitely hits close to home too yo man we're, are, are we who's gonna, am I gonna cry are you gonna cry we're gonna be okay I'm, I'm gonna be alright I'm gonna be alright you're crying no, we're gonna you're be crying. good well let's go ahead and get into right. the album alright um, so on Metacritic Donuts received universal acclaim from critics based on an aggregate score of 84 out of 100 from 15 reviews. Pitchfork put the album at number 38 on their list of top 50 albums of 2006 and number 66 on their list of top 200 albums from the 2000s. In 2020, Rolling Stone ranked the album 386 out of their 500 greatest albums of all time. Now, structurally, Donuts is a 31-track instrumental hip-hop album. The only lyrics are the short phrases and samples that are snagged from other records. Most of the songs are quite short um, as far as like the length goes, about a minute, minute and a half for each one, and they vary in style and tone. The album's original press release compared its sound to scanning radio stations for un- in an unfamiliar city. The track order is also kind of unusual. So the album begins with an outro and then ends with an intro. And then the ending of the final track flows right into the beginning of the first one, forming, some might say, uh, the circular shape of a donut. (laughs) (laughs) An infinite loop, if you would. Yo, when that shit came out, I mean, I've rapped over those beats so many times because we just used to have that on like an infinite loop and just like you know just get little quick little sessions in all the time like whenever before we would go out heads would spin it you know cats would be smoking and and freestyling over that shit and then eventually once like the hip-hop nights and stuff all over the country started getting that into their rotation when dudes would go cypher you know they would always be spinning donut stuff so i feel like i've wrapped like four albums over those beats at this point i will always think like donuts is will always make me think of like sneaking and watching like adult swim as like a mm. child like i was pretty young in like 2006 or whatever yeah um i guess i wasn't like a child per se but like how old were you in 2006 how old was i in 2006 um I was 15 in 2006. Yeah. But like, yeah, so like watching like Adult Swim late at night and like just like the um, like the kind of hip hop, like they would play as like the bumper music during like the Adult Swim programming block. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't learn until later that they had a partnership with Stone's Throw Records um, and like actually like collaborated on having a lot of stones throw artists like make the music for like that time of night on Cartoon Network. 
but like ble- like waking up like bleary eyed in the night and be like, what is like, you know, this sounds cool. But then like kind of just having this ambiance in the background of of shit of like shit like Jay Dilla. And it wasn't until like an a, adult and it's and this is true of me with a lot of well, I feel like I'm a latecomer to a lot of like of hip hop of this era just because like I was like a weird age to like access it when it came out. Um like as an adult, like sort of purposefully, like in the way that like you go to like a dojo and like learn all of the the fucking moves from the sensei, like going back through the discographies of artists like Dilla to like learn about our like our history as a people to to, to gain like a like a conscious sense of what like this music means and is. Um, and so I'm just like deeply appreciative now, whereas as a younger person, um, he, like I kind of just remember like having it on in the background or like hearing snippets here and there and be like, it's fucking dope. I'm gonna have to come back to that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to circle back to that one. And just to give some of our listeners who aren't familiar with Jay Dilla a little bit more context, just to give you a sense of some of the artists that Jay Dilla has worked on, I'll try to say some that are pretty popular we've got tribe called quest far side he's made beats for de la soul buster rhymes keith murray um mad skills he's known for working heavily with slum village which has elzai in it and elzai is one of the fucking greatest um he's worked with janet jackson uh erica badu q-tip the roots the list goes on Dilla realized there was something not quite right with his health back in early 2002. Fresh home from Europe, but sick to the stomach when feverish. He thought he might have a bad flu, but his mother took him to an emergency room in suburban Gross Point, Michigan. His blood platelet count should have been above 150, but it was below 10. Doctors told his mother they were surprised he was still walking around. And so Jay Dilla was diagnosed with thrombotic, thrombocytopenic purpura, TTP, an incurable disease of the blood that results in low platelet count, low red blood cell count, and often kidney, heart, and brain dysfunction. This is why I was also battling lupus, which he had been diagnosed with the previous year. Jay Dilla's illness and medication caused dramatic weight loss in 2003. Onwards, forcing him to publicly confirm speculation about his health in 2004. In 2005... Jay Dilla underwent treatment at Cedar sinai Medical Center for complications brought on by CTP and lupus. 29 out of 31 tracks from Donuts were recorded in the hospital during this time using a Boss SP303 sampler and a small 45 record player that his friends brought him. That's fucking amazing, yo. Because, like, I can't even, like, it's so easy for me to get taken out of my, like, artistic zone. You know, I know, like, the, like the, oh, my, like I, I could be in a bad mood. I'm yeah. not right shit today. Like, I, I could be like typing some shit, you know, and like type like four lines and then forget to save it. And those lines go away. It's like, oh, yeah, I wasn't supposed to write today. I'm just going to drop this. You know what I mean? I can get in a bad mood and not feel like Dedication. being creative. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I mean, I'm not even sure if that's dedication. That sounds like it's just like a natural extension of his body. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, I'm in the hospital, son. Break my MPC. I mean, I wonder if like a sense of his own mortality pushed him to like 
wring the most you know artistry he could out of what I he wonder. must have known were going to be some of his last days. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah. So uh, Jay Diller's mother, Maureen Yancey, herself a former opera singer, spoke of watching her son's daily routine during the creation of Donuts in, two th- in a 2006 issue of Fader. She recounts him being in the hospital trying to go over each beat and make sure that it was something different, make sure that there was nothing he wanted to change. She said, I got a glimpse of the music during one of, it, uh, one of the hospital stays around his 31st birthday when friend and producer House Shoes came out from Detroit to visit him, she told the fader. I would sneak in and listen to the work in progress while he was in dialysis. He got furious when he found out I was listening to his music. He didn't want me to listen to anything until it was a finished product. I know that feeling. Uh, throughout, <laughs> the, <laughs> throughout the year, his medical condition worsened. His legs started to swell up, making it difficult for him to walk. So at times he'd wake up his mother in the middle of the night and ask her to move him from his bed to his instruments. At times his hands swelled up so much he could barely move them as well. His mother would massage them and smooth the pain so he could continue working on his album. According to Kelly L. Carter a Detroit, of the Detroit Free Press, Jay Dilla told his doctor he was proud of the work and that all he wanted to do was finish that album. And he did finish it. Um... Three days before he died of cardiac arrest. And his death dealt a heavy blow to the hip-hop community, especially Detroit's hip-hop community. But, sadly, you know, though uh, I remember, I think his mother was quoted as saying she was so glad that he wasn't suffering anymore. The troubles didn't end there for Della's family, unfortunately. In an interview with the LA Weekly, Arthur Irk, the executor at Adilla's estate, described how difficult it was for the estate to protect his legacy due to bootlegs and unofficial mixtapes. Adilla's uh, just kind of gave out CDs of his works to rappers to rap over them and stuff like that. And that's actually like like a known story. Like Dilla would make these Dilla beat tapes. And I mean, if you if you watch certain interviews with certain rappers, like everybody had a fucking Dilla beat tape. And I think they were like all different, too. But just everybody had these beats and they were just like, I'm not even necessarily sure if they would pass them around because I'm pretty sure they would respect like the craft. But there was just a lot of them around there because Dilla was so prolific and he worked with so many heads that there were so many of these beat tapes around. Yeah. So his beats were just kind of everywhere and it was hard to get money out of people for their use. Irk stressed the importance for the estate to gather all possible income related to Dela's name since between the taxes that he owed the IRS and being uninsured in the hospital, Dela racked up six figures in debts toward the end of his life. And I mean, this isn't surprising, really, given that the United States has the highest overall health care costs in the developed world. As an example, one year of, D- one year of Dela's dialysis probably cost between fifty-three or $70,000. That was just for one part of his treatment. Imagine how much it must have cost for him to be in the hospital for months and months at a time. About 137 million Americans struggle with medical debt. In 2019, a study found that 66.5% of all personal bankruptcies are tied to medical issues. About a third of the money raised on GoFundMe in 2017 was for medical expenses. And sure, you know, the Affordable Care Act had been passed since Dilla's death, but it still leaves so many millions of people uninsured and so many others left out in the cold by the barriers of bureaucracy. Um, You know, just trying to navigate the marketplace and figure out how to get health insurance is enough for some people to say, fuck it, I will take my chances, particularly 
you know, young people that don't mm-hmm. think, you know, young people of Dilla's age or younger that start off life thinking that they're invincible, they're going to be fine. But then on top of that, since 2008, health insurance deductibles have increased eight times quickly as wages. So the situation isn't really improving. Now, over the past year, 22% of Americans say they've steered clear of some sort of medical care including doctor visits, medications, vaccinations, annual exams, screenings, vision checks, and even routine blood work because of the expense. So a blurry eye goes blind, blood sugar roller coaster, a blood sugar roller coaster gives way to amputation, and fatigue you think is a bad cold to actually lupus, and if untreated, it'll kill you. Um, with the way the system works, even if you're fortunate enough to have insurance, it can still be difficult to understand what you're being billed for and how much you really owe. So you can have insurance, but even then be too scared of surprise bills, co-pays or deductibles to and to actually use it, even if you do have the money for it. Yeah, like I have insurance through my job, but I only use it for like therapy because I'm like, I just so distrust doctors showing up for an appointment and my copay is this, but actually my deductible is this, but actually I get a bill six weeks later saying I owe them that. Like, I just rather just take my chances and maybe die than fucking deal with this bullshit sometimes. Shit, I sprained my wrist like a while back and ended up going to the doctor and literally just saw the doctor for 15 minutes he told me that it was a ganglion cyst and that it might go away on its own or I could get it drained or whatever. And I was like, okay, word. So I could go and think about it. Left and they ended up hitting me with a bill for a lot. Just a lot. More more than yep. my visit warranted. Yep. Fuck that. I know. All you need all you need is for that to happen once and you're just terrified of ever going to a doctor mm-hmm. again. And then you start to get sick, like, oh, my back's hurting. I don't know what that's about, but, like, I don't want to get billed a G again. Yeah, exactly. Out of the blue. Surprise, you have, like, spinal cancer or something terrible that you could have survived, but you didn't get checked out because you were so scared with the doctor. So, it doesn't have to be like this. And I think it'd be interesting to take a look briefly at how the number one healthcare system in the world works just a few thousand miles to our north in good old Canada. Hey. You know, I used to live in Toronto. Did you really? I don't know. Of course you did. I assume you lived everywhere. So like, I, I kind of have. I act surprised I, for a second, and then I was like, "Oh wait, I knew that." But actually, did I know that, or did I, am I just assuming? Of course, you did. I've lived in more places over the world than I have in places in America. <laughs> so. Fun fact of the week. All right. So what's tell us about Canada a bit. So in Canada, doctors and private practice are generally paid through fee for service schedules that itemize each service that you receive. And then they pay a fee to the doctor for each service rendered. So, you know, you go in for your ganglion cyst or whatever the fuck. They got like a, you know, fee for service schedule that tells you how much that's going to cost. That's how much the doctor gets paid for that. And these fee-for-service schedules are negotiated between each provincial and territorial government and the medical professions in their respective jurisdictions. Nurses and other healthcare professionals are generally paid um, salaries that are negotiated between their unions and their employers. So that's how kind of everybody's pay gets worked out on that end. Then hospitals are generally funded through annual global budgets 
that set overall expenditure targets or limits as opposed to these fee-for-service arrangements. So they're going to say like, all right, in 2022, this is what we think we're going to, you know, that we think healthcare is going to cost for this hospital. And then that's negotiated between the hospital and the provincial or territorial ministry of health or with the regional health authority or board. Um, Again, all paid for by like these, I guess, akin to like states, the states, you know, negotiating with either the private healthcare providers or the hospitals, right? So for long-term care, let's say you're in some uh, position like Dilla, healthcare services provided in long-term care facilities are paid for by provincial and territorial governments. Um, But then room and board costs are paid for by the individual, usually. In some cases, payments for room and board are also subsidized by the provincial or territorial government. So not only is it like, all right, we don't pay for your like, medical costs. Like Also, also it's like- very expensive for you to literally stay here and sleep here every day. So we're going to cover that too. Fucking peachy. Uh, and then, I mean, but the, the kicker, the catch, if you could call it that... Is it supplementary health benefits like prescription drugs as outside of hospitals, dental care, vision care, medical equipment and appliances like prostheses or wheelchairs, um, and you know other health professional services like physiotherapists aren't usually covered unless you're a kid or very old. So people who don't qualify for the supplementary benefits, pretty much like if you are a normal age or whatever. Um, you need to pay for these services out of pocket or through private health insurance plans like in America. And like in America, many Canadians, either through their employers or on their own, are covered by private health insurance that helps, you know, cover the cost of these supplemental uh, forms of care for your doctor, for your dental appointment, for your glasses, whatever, whatever. So why is this super cool? So, I mean, fans of Medicare for All probably know all this already, but... Here's a few things that I think are superior. Number one, you usually, I mean, most obviously, you usually don't even see a bill. And even if you did, it wouldn't be nearly as high as a bill that you see here because in Canada, costs are controlled. Canada pays 10% of its GDP for uh, its healthcare system, and boom, everybody's covered. Plus, the tax payments that fund the healthcare system are progressive. So if you are the lowest 20% of income earners, you pay 6% of your income into the system, while the 20 highest 20% of income earners pay about 8% of their income into the system. Another plus, the simplicity of the system leads to major savings and administrative costs and overhead. So you don't have to like hire someone. So you don't have like your own your insurance company, like the, the, you have to pay to like hire the person that goes through and tries to figure out why they're going to deny you care for some reason and like pay that person's salary. Like all that extra shit gets cut out. And then you can really choose your doctors and hospitals and keep them in Canada. There's no like list of in-network vendors and no extra hidden charges for going out of network or anything like that. And then there's the outcomes as well. So Canadians have longer life expectancies and lower infant mortality rates than do U.S. residents. So it actually like turns out better for people. That would come in super clutch right now. Yo, like, I mean, I feel like Medicare for all or like, you know, single pair or universal healthcare is like maybe my second favorite like policy. And it's because everybody like everybody has health. 
<laughs> like if you you know maybe you don't want free college or maybe like this or that but like we all are mortals that are gonna fucking die if we don't go see a doctor yeah. and so literally everybody is impacted by this and just like thinking about like the sigh of relief like the just ease on your chest of just saying like i don't feel good I'm going to go see a doctor and to have that kind of agency. Yeah. To just be able to go do it and not feel that it's going to be like a, like crippling, serious financial blow or something. All you get to worry. All you got to worry about is if your hand's broken. Yeah. It's just one thing like, ow, my hand hurts a lot. I think it's broken. And that's all you got to focus on right now. So maybe my hand's broken and not like, is this going to cost $5,000? Especially now in the age of pandemic, you know, it's like, a you don't know. A you don't know what the long term effects of uh, COVID are actually going to be down the line, and it's just like the more people that have that sort of flexibility to get themselves taken care of and still like live like a life <laughs> is is real crazy. Yeah. Now. Can't know for sure if affordable health care would have meant that Dilla would have gotten treatment sooner or have been able to afford a higher quality of treatment, either of which could have prolonged or saved his life. Lupus and TTP are killers, so perhaps the conclusion was foregone. But I do think about the number of Dillas out there that end up selling their MPC to pay their, for their treatment or never get a chance to make their masterpiece in the first place or who, could, who can't muster the strength to crate dig in the record store because they can't afford treatments to, that they need to feel well. And in his personal case, I consider the, the fact that his medical debts have kept his family from enjoying the royalties of his music after all these years. So yeah, I mean, we can't know what, how, this, how a different healthcare system in America would have changed the trajectory of Dilla's life, but we can imagine the impacts that it does have on creators or would be creators that do live here now and do see their potentials constrained by the, you know, hurdles of bureaucracy, the expense, and then the very real cost of life that comes with um, delaying treatment or not being able to afford the kind of quality treatment that will give you a high quality of life and a longer life. And also another thing to make it hit home is just consider that it's like, I mean, I don't know what Jay Dilla's finances are like, but we just read a whole laundry list of famous rappers that Jay Dilla's made songs with. So, you know, if you haven't experienced America's healthcare system uh, personally, then just consider that a dude who had all those songs had financial troubles dealing with the shit once he got sick. So what do regular people who don't have hit records? I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So let's take a little break real quick. And when we come back, let's do a little discussion of the impact of Donuts and Jay Dilla on um, hip hop across the spectrum ever since. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Alrighty, so we're about to dig into some Jay Dilla songs, uh, some some joints that are off of Donuts, and uh, kind of go into some of the rappers that decided to rap on them too. So up first, we've got one of my personal favorites out of this crop and crew favorites. Uh, it's the track "One for Ghost." which Ghostface Killa ended up using on his album Fish Scales under the name Whip You With The Strap. Let's hear it. Used to whip me with a strap when I was bad. Picture me snotty nose sitting on my arm slap. The kid like five... Yeah. Pretty much Ghostface flipped it to make it a joint about his mom beating him. Beating <laughs> his he, ass, yeah. he was a fucking little acting out as a kid. That's so funny that he like... So Jay Dilla finds these little samples and just throws them as like little adornments on his minute long songs. And then you see it further being like uh, copied and pasted and stretched in a new direction where it's like the little sample or like when I was bad, like he's like, you know, you can see Ghostface like musing on that. And then having this whole story in his head about getting his ass beat by his fucking moms. I, I love it when cats do that with especially for songs that have the vocal samples in them you know like when somebody writes around what the vocal sample is because sometimes sometimes cats will just rap over it you know what i mean it's like oh that that vocal sample is just like another instrument in the beat so i'm just gonna rap over it it's just part of the beat but i yeah. love it when cats are like nah i'm gonna like pause so the vocal sample can just play by itself or i'm gonna even make the whole song about what the sample is like i wonder if ghostface told him Yo, I have an idea for a song about getting beat by my moms. And so Jay Dilla found the sample, or did Jay Dilla find the sample and Ghostface heard it and then wrote the song? It's crazy. And the whole narrative of like actually what he's describing 
like himself doing as like this badass little kid cussing and stomping oh his feet oh my god yeah <laughs> pick the peas off my plate pour juice in a nigga food <laughs> just like just being a little like goddamn like so, a little menace it's just really adorable yeah I love that song I love that no that's great yeah oh not to go too far off topic uh, this it probably is far off topic but there's another uh, song on that album called um it's about like the difference between a kilo and a gram or something like that. You know, that a thousand grams. Yeah. Easy to remember. Oh, yeah. that album's so good. All Fish scales, ladies and gentlemen. Day. Yeah, kilo is the measure. Yeah. Okay, so up next from the donuts, we're gonna check out the track "The Last Donut," which uh, Busta Rhymes and Raw Digga ended up using for their track "The Best That Ever Did It." We're just gonna listen to "The Best That Ever Did It," and you'll you'll hear the instrumental on this. Yeah. Cause all these other chicks flopping in the cut Nigga what, better play them singles Before you get let go Like you brave Mancino Oh, that's a fucking classic banger right there Rod Digga is so dope Yeah, Rod Digga Dig- fucking kills it The beat is just get so classic and classy It just like makes me want to sip some fucking Cabernet On a goddamn <laughs> like uh, balcony Overlooking a Parisian canal. <laughs> That's another one of those joints that, uh, you know, you go to any hip hop night in the country. Any hip hop night. Any hip hop night in the country. If there's a cypher going on, they're probably going to spin that beat for people to rap over. Yeah. And like I was saying, Rod Digga doesn't get her fucking due. Rod Digga is really does not. so dope. Up. If you guys don't know who Rod Digga is, I highly recommend you go listen to some Rod Digga. She's insanely dope. You don't come back until you, yeah, like you're not allowed to listen to the show anymore until um, you listen to <laughs> until you go listen to Rod Digga, like for real. This next one, I don't, I don't want to get too out of pocket and say that this is possibly the most popular or at least most recognizable joint off of the. Dilla Donuts because uh, Dave Chappelle ended up using this as a theme to his Netflix specials recently yeah. a couple years ago. This is the uh, track working on it. Um, it was used by The Roots for a collaboration with Saigon for the album Game Theory. The verse from Saigon can be heard in the mixtape Return of the Yard Father. Let's check that out. Yo, I just get fucking hyped every time the shit comes on. I'm just like, I'm in a spaceship, or I'm in a taxi cab flying through Detroit, or I'm in a time machine going back to 1970. I don't know what's happening to me, but I love it. Working on it. Like, I just fucking, I don't know what it is about that track. It's gives me so hype. It's so inspiring. You know, I, I recently found out that, you know, a lot of people think that Dilla just used to, you know, a lot of people think that Dilla was just like a master at like chopping the loops and stuff. But yeah. I recently uh, found out that he actually, towards the end there, he was replaying a lot of those samples. So he would like sample the track and make the shit. And then he would go back himself and like play the keys and the MPC bass lines over the stuff to re- like replace the samples. I don't even know if it was necessarily, you know, to not use samples, but I just think he started going more towards that direction and his production style I, genius. I that's just like inspiring because like I, I i didn't even know that he did that but that's like something that 
I try to do when I'm making joints because I, I sample for my beats too, but it's like I'll actually get friends of mine who are musicians to replay stuff. And then, you know, learned the other day, this dude is just doing that shit himself. He's like, fuck a musician. I'm the musician. Let me sit here and figure this out real quick. It's, it's so ill. Well, let's um, get on to the next one. In 2005, MF Doom and Guilty Simpson wrapped over the track MASH. Um, which they then called Mash's Revenge, which appeared on a Stone's Throw Camp compilation called B-Ball Zombie War. Speakers mind like Father Jealous of Vine. Came to rock the banquet, rank it, along with two of the baddest bros, acts stank with blank spit. Jesus Christ, I'm after him. Yeah. You were you were such a crazy motherfucker, too. Oh, Is man. that what you're talking about? Okay. Uh, what's he say? Uh, Dilla raised the beat like an anchor banker, overstand the shooter, and plays the heat and shank a wanker. <laughs> and then he's like, guess what? Chicken head butts. He's just saying crazy shit. Yeah, somebody should have made, and I don't know if somebody's already done it, but somebody should have made like one of those uh, mashup joints with like just MF Doom and donuts. Oh, it's gotta be out there somewhere. I mean, it, it just like, that. that just seems like somebody, you know, so, I, I'm not talking about a track or two. I mean, like, just take all the best MF Doom joints and just put the acapellas over donuts. Like, I want to hear it. Hold on. Wait Whatever a second. DJ or producer out there, if it doesn't exist. Okay, nah. I got excited. I was like, wait, does it <laughs> exist? You found it? Yeah, nah. It's just a couple. So, they got, like... Uh, this the Dilla Ghost Doom, the Sniper Elite. Yeah. I knew about that, and then Lightworks. Yeah, I knew about that, but it's not like a whole thing. Yeah, no, I, I want to hear like a we whole because out there, you know, do, Doom has enough. Doom definitely has enough songs and enough verses that you could do it. So yeah, I mean, goddamn. Okay, so for the last one, let's let's make it a bit more contemporary. Let's check out a contemporary rapper like Big Sean paying some tribute to uh, Jay Dilla. He raps over the instrumental for the song Only Two Can Win? Only Two Can Win. Nation and that, that, that's worth more than a diploma. Sometimes being your own boss is worth more than promotion. My only problem with it, it's not even Big Sean's fault. It's just like listening to a Big Sean verse directly after you listen to MF Doom verse. It's like that's true. It's, it's like, like if you read. It's like if you read a novel and then you read something that's written in crayon, and it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, you just finished. You just finished like the Cimmerillion, and then you scroll Twitter for an hour. Like, oh god, <laughs> I don't feel so good. Big, that's not Big Sean's responsibility. He didn't tell us to listen yeah, to MF Doom yeah, first. Yeah, we didn't do that. No, that was but dope. That was dope. But I just also want to draw our attentions collectively to like how different all these beats sound, and so I totally get the comparison that they like used in the original press release for donuts that like i do feel like i'm scroll like i'm scanning the radio in a city i've never been to before but like it's not completely random or it's like it's still all in the same time period it's still like 1985 mm. but like it's still like bopping back and forth between the rock station and like the conservative talk radio and the <laughs> jazz and the you know it does. It, it it does sound like two different, you know, two different producers at war with each other. For who I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it described that way. Um, as far as like the whole concept behind it being like you're scanning the radio stations, and it's like when to hear that that is the actual direction 
now I can kind of hear it. And now I want to go back and listen to the album again so I can, like, you know, listen to it with that set of ears, knowing that that was the direction that he wanted to take with it. Well, I think that is going to do it for us this week. If you guys haven't listened to Jay Dilla, you should listen to some Jay Dilla and uh, check out the description of this episode because we'll have a list of the songs that we're playing in it. Um, I have a new song dropping tomorrow, so go check that out. It's on all of the, 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 you know the thing. I really wish that we had it like that, that we had, what do the kids say? The kids say clout, right? I wish that we had the clout that we could spin our favorite Jay Dilla beat and start rapping over it. And got it like that. Unfortunately, we ain't got it like that. So, you know, soon, maybe, maybe with y'all support, if y'all keep subscribing and listening and sharing. Yeah, hit the like button. You know what I'm saying? Then maybe they'll let motherfuckers use the beat. (laughs) Let's rap. Joel, let's get a beat. Uh, I probably should have thought about what I was going (laughs) to rap before we started the beat. Yo, um, yo, yo, yo. Reparations, dope knife, you know the sun pillage, the illest, love tainted free like I'm slum village. Got the Dutch cracked open, someone come fill it, roll it real tight round the back, never some spillage. I'll be lying if I said I ain't rambling. I was trying to stay focused, not to go on a tangent. I came in it with a plan, I ain't know where I landed. Now I'm sitting here rapping about weed and I'm stranded. <laughs> I close better next week, get a technique. So when I go and wreck beats and make you shake your flesh cheeks, dope knife, lingua frank, dog, it's like a 10 piece with a side. Of grits, make you wanna get the recipe. To my homie Dilla, say a prayer, may he rest in peace. Nah, nigga should ever go doubt his expertise. <laughs> so you better cease. Yeah, though. So thanks for tuning in again. I'm Lingua Franca. And I'm Dope Knife. And we are waiting on reparations. And we will see you next week. Waiting on Reparations is a production of iHeartRadio. Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.